Jen Cooper, the keeper here, ready for the next episode of the Mixed Zone Women's Soccer Podcast. This is, believe it or not, episode 250. And with that number, going to give a shout out to Ceci from Brazil, who scored the 250th Women's World Cup goal back in the 1999 group stage match versus Italy. Ceci scored seven goals in that tournament, sharing the Golden Boot Award with Sun Wen from China and leading Brazil to a third place finish. So two more Women's World Cup chats today, both with current NWSL players. First, I chatted with North Carolina Courage player Merritt Mathias about the U.S. Women's National Team World Cup games against both Sweden and Spain, and what her game plan for facing France would be if she were head coach of the national team. And then I talked with Rocky Rodriguez from Sky Blue FC about what it's like to play for your country in its first ever Women's World Cup appearance, and also how she's been handling watching Jamaica in their first world tournament. Jen Cooper, the keeper here with Merritt Mathias from North Carolina Courage, also been capped by the U.S. national team. Merritt, thanks for joining me. And there's so much Women's World Cup stalker to to talk about. I'm not sure where we should start. (laughs) I know. Well, I just first want to thank you for having me on. I'm like super excited to chat all things Women's World Cup. It's um, an exciting year, I think. I think. you know, all the past years have been awesome, but I feel like with everything going on and women in empowerment, like I just feel like this World Cup feels a little bit different. So, yeah, I'm super excited to like chat about it. I've been so excited to see some of the viewership numbers, not just in the U.S., but also like uh, the BBC has been breaking viewership records. Norway, I like know. 40% of their population is watching, like all kinds of incredible numbers. I know. It's crazy. Was it? I was, um, they showed highlights. I'm pretty sure it's the Netherlands that have just like kind of taken over France. And I think it's so awesome. Like, I mean, there's arms everywhere. I mean, they just played and like the support that they have there, they're not too far, but away. So it makes it a bit easier, but I just think it's so awesome. The people, I mean, the influx, influx of people that seem to be in France and, um, supporting like their nations is just incredible. And then you always have the Japanese fans that are like the cutest picking up trash after games. So (laughs) yeah, I'm just like, Oh my gosh, it just is like so awesome to see like countries get behind their women's teams because they should, it's, they're awesome players, you know? So it's been really cool to see the broadcasting and just the people in the stands, but yeah, what was uh, the BBC broke a record for England's game against, I think it was the yeah, first. I think o- it's Cam- opener, Cameroon. Right? Well, right, but, yeah. but then the one after that. So the the England Scotland broke a record, but now England Cameroon broke that record for the for the yeah, Scotland. Yeah, that was like game. the biggest game for them, right? It's right. Yeah. Right. And with with the things that Phil Neville said after after the game against Cameroon, of course, it's all over the English tabloids. And I've seen some people wringing their hands, social media like, oh, it's he shouldn't talk like that. He shouldn't say this. And I'm like, look, the English tabloids are covering women's soccer. Do you know what that means? (laughs) <laughs> that means we've arrived like, like, like when 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 people think you're a jerk and harass yeah. you for everything you say that means everyone's talking about you that's huge yeah it's, it's worth a story i know and you yeah know, 
<laughs> good press. Yeah. Bad press is good press. Isn't that what they say? Exactly. <laughs> or exactly. any press is good press. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. I think. Yeah. Know, we like the good press better, but any press is good press. <laughs> yeah. That's how it goes. Got that one mixed up. But yeah, I think it's just awesome. I mean, it's like, um, it's cool to, I was just traveling the other day and, you know, uh, games are on like TVs and bars in the airport or in t- on TVs in like restaurants that I was at and all ma- like magazines everywhere popping up with like faces of friends of mine. And it's just really cool to see. It's really cool to have like, you know, this month be taken over by women's soccer and it deserves yeah. that for sure. Yeah, I really loved how Sports Illustrated went all in and did the seven different covers before the tournament even started. Um, oh, I so know. What, what, what's that like for you where you play with all these players? Just like, uh, yeah, I saw your face at the grocery store on the magazine rack. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, uh, so um, for those of the listeners that don't know, I play with, in the courage it's um sam abel abby crystal um jess Jess. yeah and yeah so we have a lot of faces on the team that are on with the national team and it was really funny crystal and abby were like on the cover of sports illustrated for like the swimsuit edition and they're like so sweet they're like oh god my mom's gonna kill me but like it came out (laughs) and it looked so good and they're just like like that's my friend you know like you you're so proud of them all their hard work like I'm sorry like women's soccer players are like sexy they deserve to be celebrated and like for them to get that opportunity and like Peens is also one of my good friends so for them to be on the cover and just like rock it and like you know for everyone to see the other side when we're not in like a uniform but all right like shown I think like the women's body should be celebrated and it should be on a cover and like in like amazing bathing suits. But it was funny. I think I like took a picture with Abby on the cover and like sent it to her. I was just like, (laughs) you look so good. (laughs) Well, and also the commercial, I love the, um, the visa commercial that features Jess and Abby and also, you know, Rose Lavelle and AD French. I love that you know, it's covering not just the big names on the team, but also showing you kind of the behind the scenes. So it's got that funny little clip showing like, you know, Abby having teeth knocked out, you know, going to the dentist because she, you know, took a hit in practice, which I'm assuming they just made up for the, you know, for the visual. Yeah, I don't, I think, I would have known about that. I don't think she's lost any teeth. So like she's kept all the real ones. Um, yeah, I think it's been really awesome. I, I think that the publicity around the team going into the World Cup, I think they did do a really good job of like letting you see the, all the faces of the national team and not just the ones that you know, because sooner or later they are going to be the ones whose faces you need to know. So, yeah. Um, and it is a I team sport. Really cool. Yeah, it is a team sport. And like, you know, these names, but there's also like all 24 players that are on that roster are badass and like their names deserve to be known. They're incredible players. So, um, yeah, it's been really cool. It's been really cool to see, like really happy for the girls and, you know, that they all deserve everything that's come their way. And hopefully it's like a ton more of success. Well, watching the last two games, so they, they beat Sweden 
2-0 in the final group stage game last mm-hmm. Thursday and then edged Spain uh, yesterday 2-1, um, you know, mm-hmm. two penalty kick goals from Rapino. Those were both mm-hmm. really tough matches. Um, slightly different, of course, you know, in, in, in how the opponents played. But, mm-hmm. you know, looking back on those two matches, what what are the highlights for you? I think for, you know, the game against Sweden, I think that game was probably always marked on the calendar. Um just because of the history that's there with Pia being the coach and just how everything went down and they beat, you know, Sweden got the win against them in the last world cup and like, or sorry, in the Olympics. And, um, and I, um, I just think that they wanted to, you know, they wanted to prove a point that like that wasn't, that's not going to, that's not okay. And we're not going to let you have like, are back then you're not going to get us twice and I think that's like to go out of the group stage with that win was a like a really great thing for them um I think also just Sweden their approach is they also apparently rested seven starters and like sit a low block so like you know they're just playing like not to get blown out so I don't know right that is like you know it is what it is you're gonna play you're playing in the world cup and they're strategic um, strategy there be, behind their decision making and this that and the other, but I think for the for the win, for our team it was a huge win in terms of just like making a statement and like putting our foot down and just being like no Sweden like you don't have our number you know and then to get like a win against like a a solid team not to say no disrespect to the other teams in the group I just think you know you want to get a win under your belt that's kind of a little bit more challenging going into knockout stages so well and and much more Sweden's so much more experienced than Thailand or Chile when it comes to world cup so you know yes so I think just to get that win against the team that has been there that is is a pretty good side they can play soccer you know they make it challenging for the U.S. to play against them in terms of playing a low block, which they might see again, you know? So right. um, I just think that getting that win was a great thing going in and playing in the quarter, you know, into the knockout rounds against, um, oh my gosh. Spain. Spain, geez. I just like, <laughs> the thought. But, um, yeah, and then the Spain game, that game was a little bit harder. I will give Spain credit. I think that they changed their approach a lot, and it may it was challenging for us. Um, I think Spain, you know, in the past you see them play a lot more, and against uh, against the other day they're like we'll get killed in the press if we try to play out. So when they needed to play long, they played long and put us under pressure. Um, so I think like seeing a different side of like how teams can play, I think it's always good to see that if it was a challenge, it doesn't mean that someone else might not try to do it again. You know, you have like, you're going to watch tape and you're going to read opponents and, you know, people can see it and it kind of works for them. Okay. Well, what can we do to tighten up in the next game against France? You know, so cause France could potentially play the exact way Spain did and just kind of put us on our back a little bit in terms of like long balls and not try to play out of the press because we are a good pressing team. So um, I think we just have to like know that 
that going forward that teams might just try to play completely play out of the press because that is where they're going to kind of get that's where like the U.S. finds opportunities off of winning the ball like higher field and just quickly transitioning into goal so um but yeah I think the bright spot in that game I mean Megan was just ice in her veins I was so proud of her um to put away two PKs and like yeah stick to your same same side and not switch it up I think that is just like something that like as on like that's huge for our team I think you can just like get behind that mentality and be like whatever we're like we have someone that's gonna like put it away when we need to and like we're going to stand behind you and we're going to keep marching along and I think that's a huge thing in team morale just to have someone that is just like I got us like we're going to be okay and she did that for them I mean she was huge and I'm so proud of her and it and looking back it it's it, it makes it look so smart of U.S. soccer to schedule those friendlies in January against Spain and France because before mm-hmm. January we had never played Spain and we, we've played France a lot. And, and interestingly, yeah. you know, we're going into this match against France, not having beaten them in the, in the last three meetings. But of course yeah. the game in January, there were a lot of starters being rested because of course you, you don't want to mm-hmm. show your hand going into yeah. the world cup here. And, and I think that's one of the things that I really love about the world cup and something that we don't get, in friendlies is kind of like the long game of it's not each game isn't a one-off. You have to think about, well, is anybody sitting on a yellow card? Um, yeah. Who could the next opponent be? How, how have we played them before? Have we not played them before? What's, what's past that, you know, that, that you, you have to take all of those into consideration. You know, that's probably a big reason that, you know, Lindsay Horan didn't start against Spain and only played towards the end. She's sitting on a yellow card and you don't want to risk, you know, losing somebody for, for a match. Like, you know, 2015, you look back, we had Lauren Holiday and, yeah. and Megan Rapino each get a second yellow in the round of 16. They had to sit out the quarterfinal. So after, yeah. after the quarterfinal Friday night, you know, if you're sitting on one yellow, it's, it's, it's wiped out. Um, and then there's the gamesmanship too of, you know, which players know which other players. And, you know, of course, Horan played in France. And uh, I mean, I I would love to be a fly on the wall in their like video room of, you know, going through highlights of other games and deciding tactics and and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, if if you're the coach of of U.S. Women's National Team heading into France, I mean, what, what do you think your strategy would be? Um... Well, I think that there is a lot that goes behind like decision making and tactics and style and um yeah, I think that is just going to be the side of the game that is, you know, it will make your head hurt because there's so many possibilities. I think for me if I'm um going in against France who you are in I mean they're playing in their home country, it's going to be a crazy game. I think you have to make sure that you have a lineup out there that is going to put them on their back foot as soon as possible. And I think that is the biggest thing going in against France. I think you have to put them on their toes as fast as possible because it is going, 
it is so much is in their favor in terms of like crowd and home country and advantage and all these things. And I think for me, I would make sure that like I had my midfield was prepared to win first and second balls and that this, we could switch the point as quickly as possible against France. I think that would be my biggest thing. Don't get stuck on one side um, because they are good at overloading. They're a very strong and physical team and they are good going forward. I will say, I don't think France is as good as they were in the past up top in terms Mm -hmm. of like personnel. They're still great by no stretch of the imagination, but I think that they in past years were a bit more dangerous. Um, I just think too, you know, defensively, you just have to make sure that like you're playing, you, it just has to be smart. I think that there could be things that the re- the refing situation we've seen has just been like wild. I think there have been so many things that have happened and with the VAR and all of it, I think you just have to be smart because, you know, right. something silly could change the entire game. And I don't know. I think whenever you're, you know, the home team always gets a little bit of an advantage. They always have the ref a little bit more in their pockets than the visiting team. And on this stage, I just think, you know, you have to be on the ref as much as possible to like not let them slow the game down, not to like let it get out of control one way. I think that is also the part of it. I think the refs have had like a huge effect on the games that we've seen in terms of like what they have allowed and not allowed and what they've called and haven't called. So um, I just think if the, if we go out and do our thing and do it right and make sure that like, we are on the front foot and we are not get, we cannot get stuck on one side. I think that is the biggest thing. We can't get stuck. We have to get it in our midfield and our midfield has to be willing to like take a chance and get it out to the other side and go down from there. I think it's important to build on, know what side you're building on, build on that side, get out. And when you get out, make it count and get in line and get in because you have people that are, their ability to finish off the cross balls is in, incredible i mean if you put Lindsay and sam in there you have i think personally i think two of the best people that can score off headers or off crosses um mm-hmm. and that so i just think that that is a huge thing i think that they're gonna i think france will be really hard to beat down the gut i think you're going to have to beat them on the outside where they're not they don't have as much cover so um that would be me. That would that would be my strategy <laughs> to get it wide and you know get it back across and get people on the ball that can finish. You know, give people the opportunity to like get a shoulder on someone in the box. But um, and you know, the well, US, like the uh, facing facing the home team. You know, of, of course, there's a lot of USA fans in France, and, mm-hmm. and I think this matchup will be probably the best match in terms of both teams being very well represented in the stands by fans. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. you know, I would still give the edge to, to France. So I'm wondering, like, you know, your experience last year playing at Portland in the final in front of a sold-out mm-hmm. crowd, which, you know, was, mm-hmm. was obviously predominantly Thorns fan. I mean, like, how, as a player, do you do you prep for that? Or is there a way to kind of harness that energy and just mentally 
tell yourself it's like they're cheering for me or what, you know, how, how do you deal with that? Um, I think there's two things. I think there's, well, a couple of things probably. I don't think you get to the level that these women have gotten to or, you know, playing at a professional level without having like this, this crazy competitive edge and you kind of tune everything out. I, I think people say it a lot that it just becomes, you just are so in the zone that like everything around you is kind of like white noise. And uh-huh. I think you have to do that from the start. Don't get me wrong. It is like you're in the locker room, just like pace. You just like can't sit still. You have to like play your music and get in your zone and do what you need to do. But yeah, there's those butterflies. It's freaking exciting and um, nerve wracking. But like, as soon as you start to warm up and as soon as that whistle blows, like all of it becomes like you're in, you don't even hear it, which is crazy, which is crazy to think, but you just don't hear it. It's just like something changes and you're just playing the game. So I think, but this is on a, a crazy and what you know what's riding on this game is huge so um I think in terms of prep it's just like a lot of the women there that are playing have been there before which experience is a huge thing in that in that regard I think being able to calm your nerves and just like be able to go out and play your game I don't think people realize how challenging that is um and how elite you have to be to be able to do that um so yeah I think you know playing in Portland and all that stuff you are definitely like oh my gosh like no one here wants us to win and I think that might be the biggest motivating factor to put a ball in the back of the net you know and I think to silence a crowd to not hear to be able to hear a pin drop when like there are 20,000 plus people rooting against you and just be like, take the air out of the balloon. There really is no better feeling, you know, like (laughs) those 20 plus thousand people cheering for you. But like, it is, it is a lot of fun and it's a huge motivating factor to be like, you know, we're going to silence this crowd and we're going to, we're going to do our thing and we're, we're going to put on a performance that we're proud of. And hopefully that like, turns into a win but yeah getting a goal and like having all those people be like quiet is something right so I I hope that's what happens against France so but yeah I think um well last question for you uh who do you think um the other three semifinalists will will be um you know so now uh, our, our matchups are set we've got uh Netherlands, Norway. Italy, oh, okay. yeah. Norway, England, and Germany, Sweden. So you got three other all European matchups. Which I three know. do you think are going on? Like the, it could potentially be the Euros. It's <laughs> like right, don't know right. It's just crazy. Um, let's see. Norway versus England. Honestly, I think Norway could get England. I think. Um, watching Norway or watching England the other day, if they need to tighten up on their back line a bit, I think they are lack a bit of pace um, where it counts. And a lot of like, there's, I feel like a little bit of like uneasiness in their back line. I don't know. I think Norway might be able to get England. I think 
the Italy Netherlands game, the Italy Netherlands game is going to be something else. I think Italy looks really good right now. They're also like a sleep. I didn't even have Italy on the map, and then watching them play, they are strong. They're physical. They can play the game. They're they're a really good, well-rounded team. Watching the Netherlands today against Japan. Japan was the better side in the second half and we're unfortunate not to get a goal, you know, not to get a goal. Right. It's been inefficient. They've been inefficient being, um, scoring. I've always said if, if Japan, if the goal of soccer was to get a hundred passes, the fastest Japan would win every single time. But so, <laughs> um, I don't know the, ne- but the Netherlands are a solid team too. I mean, they are just, they're, they have some class players. I don't know. I might say Italy against the Netherlands, and then Germany. That, that one could go to P- could go to extra time or PKs easily. I know. I think so. That one's really hard. And then Germany, Sweden. Uh, Germany solid. I think I have to go with Germany. Yeah. So and oh. then England, Norway. What's what's your what's your pick? Uh, I think I said I think Norway might be able to pull it out. I don't know. This is so frustrating. I it's like <laughs> it's good. You know, all four matches are going to be great. I think it's going to be really. I think it's going to be a really solid semi. It's going to be like very good semifinal games. I think they're going to be really tough. It's also like these teams. A lot of these teams probably have played each other a lot, so that is, you know, yeah. Yeah, because they, yeah, they, cause they play like, Euro qualifying and Women's World Cup yeah. qualifying, so they know each other well. And even the teams that haven't played each other, you know a lot of these players play in the same leagues in Europe. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. I know. I it, it's like NWSL playoffs. That's what it's like. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> everyone knows everyone. By this point, you know everything. It's just who, who can – better execute the game plan and who's showing up that day and who's not, you know? So I don't know. I think it's going to be really close. I think the semifinals are going to be like something special. So we'll see. Well, Merritt, thank you so much for taking the time (laughs) to talk uh, women's world cup soccer. And of course, a a little bit of NWSL final with me. I really appreciate it. and, And good luck with the rest of your season. Oh, yes. Thank you so much. This has been an absolute pleasure. Um, It's been really fun. I wish all the best to all the teams in the World Cup. And um, yes, it was so nice to talk. All right, Jen Cooper, the keeper here with Rocky Rodriguez from Sky Blue FC and, of course, the Costa Rican national team. Rocky, we got to talk Women's World Cup soccer, especially since you know what it's like to be a first-timer at, at the Women's World Cup. So, but, so let's start first with just first your thoughts on, on what you've seen so far in this tournament. Oh, uh, first of all, thank you so much, Jen, for having me. <laughs> um, and I think so far the World Cup has been uh, exciting. I think I, I've it's caught my attention some teams that I didn't expect them to perform the way they have in a positive way. And uh-huh. of course, the others that haven't been as surprising, like you know, you know that the U.S. is going to perform. You know that the bigger teams are the ones that are usually in this stage are going to show up and perform. 
but it's been super enjoyable so far. Well, and when you when you look at some of the first timers for this tournament, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure you think a lot about 2015. So, you know, Chile, uh, you know, not advancing, but 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 having a pretty satisfying final game. And of course, Christian Endler, uh, amazing saves kind of makes me think of Dinia Diaz from from CONCACAF qualifying in 2014. Oh, yeah. Yes, for sure. So. I mean, I had the chance to watch uh, Chile against the U.S. Actually, I, I believe it was uh-huh. the U.S. Right? Yeah. Uh huh. Um, and they they showed just the passion to defend those colors. And like you said, I think I mean, as a first timer in our case in Costa Rica when we were in the 2015 World Cup, um, we it, it was such a mix of emotions. But I think the adrenaline and the fact that you're actually there gets you going and um all it is at that point is of course perform but you work so hard (laughs) to get there um and you appreciate it that much more when it's even your first time because you work so much it's been years of generations to get there and i'm assuming that's probably the case for the first timers in this case chile um you know so i saw that grid and i saw that like just sometimes we have a saying in, in Costa Rica international team, when your legs can't run anymore, you dig deep in your heart and that makes you run. So I think that's what I, you know, noticed specifically for the Chile team. And um, it just makes me happy. I hope that women's soccer around the whole world just keeps growing. And I know for sure that's the way it's going. Well, and especially in, in a tournament format where you have a chance to advance as the third place team, you know, a, mm-hmm. a team like like Chile in their first tournament, you know, if they had a bigger win in that in that final game, you know, they would have had a chance to advance. And and as we saw the the total heartache <laughs> for Scotland yeah. that because they gave up uh, three to to Argentina and ended up tying, they didn't advance. And of course that, that would have been their, their, their first time. And that's their yes. first time in the tournament. So first time advance. So it's, I feel like it, it's easy as a storyline to say, it's like, well, they're just happy to be here or they're just happy to score a goal. Um, mm-hmm. Sure. They're happy to do those things, but I don't believe anyone goes to these tournaments saying we got here. That's all we need to do. You know, your goal has to be, I would think, in that group stage, we want to advance. We know it's going to be tough, but what do we need to do to advance? Yes, yes, I absolutely agree. I mean, at that point, like you said, it's like, like it's, you're right, you hit the spot because, yes, you're grateful and it's been such a, a hard battle to get all the way there, but then you don't want it to go away so quick, you know, and if you don't yeah. have past, group stage and that's what happened to us as well and we were really close to to qualifying to the next stage but because of a goal difference or something you know we could have right it didn't happen and it went by so quick um but for sure i think national any national team who qualifies you know they're like hey we're here so now what you know like hey who's our opponent and what are we going to do and you you get out that yeah, you never know what kind of upsets could happen. I mean, hey, last last summer Germany didn't even get out of the groups. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and you know what? And and another thing, like I think, and I keep talking as uh, for first timers because you know it's your first time, but once you start playing, you realize, hey, this is actually like 
it's 11 players. It's not impossible to win. We're actually good. We actually can compete. And that's what happened against, in our case, against we played against Spain, then uh, South Korea. I believe it was Spain's first time in 2015. Um, uh-huh. If not, if not, they've been they haven't not been around for a lot of years. But it wasn't yeah. time for South Korea, and and you know we tied against them. And we were like, hey, like it's like it, your eyes get open because it, it feeds into into that. Like for sure, you realize at the moment, like, hey, we I can actually go through, and we're good enough. So. So I think, you know, that probably happened to, to these first-timers in this World Cup, too. Yeah, it's, it's that mental piece, in it, and it makes me think a little bit about, um, you know, something I hear from a lot of rookies in NWSL where they're a little bit starstruck when, when they've started because, of course, you know, as, as kids, you know, as teenagers, mm-hmm. they, they watch some of these players and, you know, idolize them and, you know, follow them in college, and then, boom, you, you know, you're on a team with with this player. Right. And, right. Exactly. You know, and, and then you're facing some of the players who, who might be, you know, someone whose career you've been following for the last 10 years and you have to get past that. You know, it's like, no one's invincible. Absolutely. You know, it's, yeah, you know, you know, the game, you, you can do this. So I, I think that's one of the, the really great parts about watching the world cup debutantes where it's like, you you can almost see that moment where they, they, they find their groove. Um, you know, it was yeah. a heart, it was a heartbreaking story for Scotland ultimately, but it was so neat in their, their first game, you know, they're down to zero to England. They still get a goal back at the end. And then the same in their next game, they, they lose, but they get a goal back. So, you know, you, right. you and I both know that that can help you out goal differential. It was just that, that, that last game really, really hurt, but you, you could see them, you know, finding their footing and, you know, South Africa, of, of course, struggled a lot, but when uh, Tembi Katlana got that goal, it's like, that's gotta be so satisfying. Especially, after, yeah, they opened the scoring in their first game. They, they ended up losing, but you know, you drew first right. blood, you got your first world cup goal. It's that, that's got to settle everybody down. <laughs> right. Right. And I am, um... <laughs> I also uh, noticed what you just said uh, with Jamaica, you know, like it took them even in the first game, it took them a little bit to kind of get the jiggles out. But then yeah, it's like you said, you can almost see in the way they play in the performance. Once they're like past that, they're actually competing and they did a great job. I think um, yeah. I-, I thought it was interesting with uh, Scotland because their first game was against not uh, England, right? Right. It was right. Yeah, it was against England and but they are they play against each other more often, I believe, because of or is that not right? Yeah, um, well they yeah, they're probably yeah, it's like because a, of where it's they're like based. A, yeah. A, a huge rivalry, right? It's like a it's yeah. as if we, it's as if Costa Rica would play, I don't know, against Mexico in the World Cup, which yeah, you know, yeah. it's what are the chances? But it was really interesting and I when I was watching that game I was like, it's so interesting because although it's Scotland's first game it's against England, and that is a factor that I think played a huge role because it, it was not that unknown. They weren't doing any – aside from the stage, it was the same rival that they play so much against. Um, so they were familiarized, but I think it's also an interesting thing um, for Scotland specifically because although first-timers, they were like 
you know, we probably hate England, you know, <laughs> let's beat them, you know, <laughs> the United States. Yeah. That's cool about the rivalries too. Yeah. And, and I, I found it interesting that, you know, my, my mind goes this way. I know it might not be for some other women's soccer fans, but like when the draw happened and you had England and Scotland in the same group and England, Argentina. So you've got some historical background there, you know, and then you throw in Japan who England seems, seems to always have to play in, in the world cup. I love that. There's just all the different layers to it, even if it's connected to men's soccer or something more socio-political history kind of thing. It's just like, Ooh, fascinating matchups. And then you have the opposite where like, okay, South Africa, China, like there, there's no history there, but that right. makes it fascinating in the, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know how these two styles of play are, 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 are going to match up, you know? Yes. Um, yes. All right. Yep. Go ahead. Talk, talk about, talk about, let's talk about Jamaica. <laughs> and I mean that, well, cause I, uh, they're, to me, they're, they're the Costa Rica of 2019 that, you know, that 2015 was first world cup for, for Costa Rica out of CONCACAF, um, yep. you know, see, seeing newer teams come in to, to CONCACAF, you know, um, it mm-hmm. was, it was great that, uh, we had one extra CONCACAF team last time because Canada, you know, was, was the host only, only three made it this time, right. but you know, it's like, do you feel yourself kind of rooting for Jamaica? Because it's like, okay, my team couldn't go, but it's like half, or 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 do, or do you yeah. find your loyalties going in a different way? Where it, where it's like, no, I'd rather root for Latina country, or is it players you know? Where 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 it's like, okay, well, Carly's on this team and Estelle's on this team, and you know, so how do you? How do you follow it? I mean, where where do you where do your your favorites end up falling? Yeah, it was really interesting. I mean, I, I have to I have to mention that um, on the opening match, uh, France against South Korea, it, that day specifically was really hard for me. And you know, because in our heads we were supposed to be there, and we were missing on that. Right. But, you know, <laughs> once um, Jamaica started playing, I honestly. The true honesty here, it's like I felt like we were supposed to be there instead of them. But then I was like, you know what, let's let's see how they do. You know, so I started watching yeah. and I think they did an amazing job. I mean again, it's the first time but I think that they were a good representation. Like it wasn't I, I would I think I would have felt worse if they would have like and this is coming, you know, from a very honest place, but if, if they would have like an appearance that was, wasn't as great, I would have been like, you know, I wish it would have been us because of course, and this is my ego t- talking, but I would be like, we would have done maybe <laughs> a better job or something. But the fact that they right. showed up and they competed and they performed, um, you know, made me feel better. You know, the fact that, you know, they were there and it was their time and, I, I I was happy for them. At the beginning, I was definitely neutral. I wasn't like, oh, I hope they, you know, they don't do well. I yeah. was just like, okay, now that they're there, let me watch and see how they do. And then, you know, I think, again, they did an amazing job. And um, that made me feel better because at the end of the day, it's a representation of CONCACAF. And that only means that the level is also growing in CONCACAF, which is already you know, it's a already tough confederation, um, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's kind of where I stood. And, <laughs> you know, now that they're out, I'm like, I look back and I'm like, 
you know, good for them. Uh, if I was in their place, you know, like everyone wants to be there and it was just their year. Uh, but yeah, like I said, in the beginning, I was like, uh, it is tough. But, it's uh, hard. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to watch for sure. But well, but and, and the challenge with CONCACAF is, you know, there's only, um, you know, two and a half slots. So, yeah. you know, Jamaica yeah. had to had to play. No, no, no. Sorry. There's there's three slots. There's and the half slot Panama lost Argentina. So we have three and a half slots and we got right, three right, of yeah. them. So it, one thing that, that I think we tend to forget is that performance in these tournaments can affect how many slots teams get down the road. So mm-hmm. how many how many slots confederations get down the road? So the better performances we see from Canada and Jamaica and whoever is from CONCACAF, the more potential there is down the line that maybe that three and a half slots becomes four. Uh, you know? Absolutely. And, and absolutely. And I, I, this is kind of not off topic, but you know, now that you say that and the fact that CONCACAF is only getting, you know, more challenging um, because mm-hmm. teams are of course getting better. Hopefully that also, it's kind of a, like a wake up call to our federation and to every federation, really. I mean, supposedly, if, we, if you want to be one of the best, you got to, you know, start figuring out, you know, maybe how can we create a league or how can we, you know, each federation in their power, how can we do to be better than the other team? And that's, you know, my hope for, for because I'm Costa Rican for my country. Um, but it's it's a fact. And, yeah, I think it's only it's a good thing that each team is getting better. It challenges all the other teams. And then, you know, that's how it grows, I think. But yeah, yeah. well, and I hope, (laughs) yeah, and it it is, this is a little (laughs) off topic too, but I hope that, you know, maybe next time around uh, qualifying format is a little different because the way it was set up is, you know, what if, what if there were, three of the stronger CONCACAF teams in one of those groups of four, the way it's structured, they're only two can get out of the group. And we saw the same thing with Asian qualifying, how they, they group the teams. It meant that either North Korea or South Korea could not qualify for, for the world cup when they were both strong teams and, you know, no offense to Thailand, but North Korea is a stronger team. Just right, the, right. The, quali- the qualifying was set up that it didn't matter how they performed only yeah. you know one one or the other could go and and we all want the best teams you right. know to to, right. to be yep. there and but you always have to balance two words like well it's the world cup because because you'll say well there's you know you've got these big goal differentials like well it's not the best 24 teams in the world it's teams from each confederation and they, you know, they try to balance it where obviously, you know, Europe gets, gets more teams, but it's, I just think it's that constant back and forth. But, uh, so we're in the round of 16, it's almost done moving on to the quarterfinals soon. So as, as, as we're into the knockout stages, like if you were a betting person, I mean, who would you, who would you be putting money on? I mean, whoever, you know, whoever wins, you know, in the next game, uh, U.S. against France, I think is going to it's going to take it all. Uh-huh. Um, I think that's, you know, my bet. And it, when I first saw the first match of France against South Korea, I was like, oh, my gosh, like they look really, really good. 
I think that kind of has fluctuated throughout the tournament for friends. Um, and it, you know, it's, I don't see the same team, of course, because they, they're more challenged as the tournament advances. Um, you know, and the U.S. has showed up, but then kind of the same thing happened, I would say, in this last game against Spain. Um, uh-huh. But I do have to say, you know, not to undermine, of course, any other of the teams, but, you know, the U.S. and France, I, I don't I don't even know who to root. Like, I don't know who, where to put my money on, which team, but I <laughs> believe that whoever wins that game, it's going to, you know, it's going to end up raising that cup. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's crazy to think that we have the the France USA quarterfinal, but at, at the same time, I know that you know we've seen a lot of uh, a lot of improvement among all of the top teams. That I feel like the the margins are are thinner than they've ever been. So sure, you can say USA France should have been the final, but I think that does a disservice to you know. Germany or England or, right, you know, right, yep. who, who knows what we'll see, you know, from some of the other teams. And right. one of the things that really sticks out to me looking at the bracket is we've never faced, USA has never faced Germany in a final. <laughs> they faced them in semis and quarters, never in a final. For the first right. time, they're on opposite sides of the bracket, the way it's fallen. So, like, that could be an intense um, yes. Final or 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 France Germany or England Germany. You know, like there, there's there's right. so many fascinating lineups. But I but I would be hard pressed to bet against the USA right now. I, I think what's <laughs> what's what's going to be tough Friday is you've got two different home crowds basically. You know, so of course USA has the most fans in France, other than France having all their home fans. Right, so, right. you know, you already know it's a sold out stadium. Uh, I, I saw last night that the cheapest ticket on StubHub for that game is 850 euros, wow. which is insane. You know, so so I love I love that we've got a match like that to, to bring more more attention um, yeah. to the tournament. Yeah. yeah so sure. so la- last question for you, Rocky, um, mm-hmm. you know. Estelle, you know, who's been playing, Estelle Johnson, who's been playing with Sky Blue yep. this year, she she got the opportunity to, to, to play with Cameroon. Um, you know, imagine that, you you know, she comes home, you guys go out, hang out, and just talk. What was your Women's World Cup experience like, your first Women's World Cup experience like? What, what are the things, that, the memories that you'd want to share with her from yours um, from 2015? Oh, when she comes back and if we have that conversation. Yeah, yeah. Just like, what was it like for you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, some of the coolest memories I have, I mean, aside from the goal, you know, because that was just, that's something very specific that I wanted, but I started from that, and, and I think that the Canada World Cup and this World Cup are a bit different because I think the, like, there's more money involved in this one. Um and so, like, the way that they travel, I think it's more quality. Like, each team, there was, like, FIFA is investing more in just the quality of the experience for each player. Um, mm-hmm. But for me, just being in the tunnel before walking out was, you know, it, it's unlike anything because, I, I know, I get emotional in those moments. And I think that fuels me and that, like, you know, reminding myself, you know, I would literally when I was a kid, like picture those moments, 
Um, so, you know, I, I yeah, I'm sure, sure. I'm, I want to ask her, like, like, you know, when and it, for her, it happened so fast. She was like, guys, I think right. I woke up. And so, like, <laughs> and then you're back. I'm going to be like, so how, like, what the heck? What, how was it? Like, she, I, I'm so excited to hear about also um, just her experience in general. But for me, you know, it was everything, the quality of the, uh, well, again, France, it's probably more quality because, you know, it's all grass. It's, you know, the hotels and the traveling and everything is just higher standard, which is great. That's what we want after every other woke up. Um, but even mm-hmm. so, uh, even if it was less quality, I was, we don't, unfortunately, we don't get treated that way all the time. So, you know, everything is so professional, like from, you know, we travel in a, in a bus and then we get to the hotel and everything's ready for us. You know, we have our, our own room with, you know, all those little details for me are so cool because we don't get that all the time and it should, it should be that way, but we're not there yet. So that's for sure. I'm I'm curious to see all of that. I actually saw a picture of her on Instagram, and it looked like she was in first class traveling. And so that's why I'm, I keep saying, <laughs> you know. And I was like, I don't think I travel in the first class when we went to. And it was Canada. It was closer. Um, but you know, that's that's kind of what I want to know. It's kind of all the like behind the scenes stuff that people don't really see. Right. Right. And, and especially when you think about Canada, you know, not only was it turf, but Canada is so huge, so spread out. You know, it was four mm. or five different time zones. And, 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 and France is, you know, as I like to say, smaller than Texas. So, you know, it's like they, they, can, they can probably do, yeah. you know, buses, really nice buses for a lot of things or really short flights. And, and, and so right. players aren't having to deal with that. Well, we just took a four hour flight, you know, so you're not you don't have yeah, those kind yeah. of recovery issues. And even even yeah. the fact that it's in friends, you know, it's just it, it makes it really cool, too. It's just a, a popular destination. It's a huge I mean, Europe in general, it's just they, they have the football culture. Um, yeah. So all those little details, I think, make a difference. Also, the climate, like the weather has been, you know, kind of rough and hot. And I, I keep hearing like the humidity is high, like they're all, there's like thunderstorms. And, you know, so all that, th- those things I didn't have to, we didn't have to deal with in Canada. But yeah, it's just different. Yeah, it's going to be, you know, we've we've got just a little less than two weeks of this tournament left. I hate how quickly it goes oh, it, like in the good. middle, middle of the group stage, it feels like it's going to last forever. And then zoom, it just, yep. it's gone. <laughs> um, yeah. But last, last thing. So, so other than the goal, what was your, your one favorite memory from 2015? Let's see. Other than the goal. <laughs> <laughs> That's a tough one. Cause it was the goal. <laughs> yeah. But, um, um, well, actually, so after that game, we were on the bus going back to the hotel, and I was crying. <laughs> I was crying just just because it was a very, very meaningful thing for me. I We were talking about earlier, like, it's not that I was happy to tie or, you know, but I was really happy to score for my national team in the World Cup because for whatever reason, that was something that I really wanted to do, you know, so... You know, I was just reflecting and I was like, it happened, you know, it's real. And it's just sometimes because the battle is the battle in, in 
growing the game and, you know, getting all the support that we play against national teams that just have that many more resources than us, you know? So that in itself, right. The fact, you know, so, so I was just reflecting and I was super happy to be the first one to score from a national team in a world cup. And, you know, and I was like, why me? You know, like I, you know, I was just very grateful for that. So that's, a very deep kind of memory that I have. Uh, I mean, another one, it's uh, my, one of my coaches came to watch uh, that. Oh, several of my coaches from Penn state. Uh, that's called uh-huh. came uh-huh. to watch that game against Spain. So, you know, we kind of hung out um, like a day after and like, you know, they also cried with me. <laughs> it was just very meaningful. Uh, because they had been with me, like they understood all my frustrations. You know, they were with me right uh, three, since three years ago, um, before that that summer. So, so that was really neat to just see. You know, not only my coaches, it was some friends came out as well, and to feel that support, it just it makes it so um, so much more enjoyable when you have people who you love. Uh, you know, they're there, they're present in such an important moment in my career. So, yeah, yeah that you could <laughs> celebrate with and and think about it. That does. And that was what, six months before you guys won the NCAA tournament for the first yeah, time. That's so, right. yep. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah well, thank, crazy year. <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much for taking the time um, to talk World Cup. And, and, and I'm hoping we'll see Costa Rica back in 2023. Oh, thank you so much. And it was my pleasure. And I hope so as well. <laughs> Time to wrap it up with the back four. The knockout bracket has been updated for the quarterfinal rounds, and you can download my Keeper Notes printable bracket at keepernotes.com. I also have the Women's World Cup schedule updated on a Google Calendar, so if you search for Keeper Notes Woso Calendar, you can find that via Google Calendar. And of course, even with the Women's World Cup going on, we have another weekend of NWSL action coming up this weekend for fixtures. Check out NWSLsoccer.com. You can watch them, of course, on Yahoo Sports. And if you're not in the USA, you can watch them on the NWSL website. And none of them overlap with Women's World Cup games. So you can just have a chock-full weekend, long weekend of WOSO. And speaking of Woso, I have t-shirts for sale at keepernotes.spreadshirt.com. You can also get to that t-shirt site via keepernotes.com. I have at least one design for every NWSL team, a couple for national teams. Happy to add more designs if you want to send a suggestion. Uh, $2 of every shirt sold on that site. I am donating to the NWSL Players Association, which is the players union that represents the players who are not members of the U.S. Women's National Team. And last, I highly recommend the new book, The Making of the Women's World Cup, which just came out in the USA. It's been available in the UK for a little bit longer. It's written by Equalizer Soccer founder Jeff Kasuf and former Woso Zone podcast host Kieran Teven. You can find it on Amazon. It's really good. All right, that's it for this episode. I'm heading off to France, but I will be doing the next two episodes from France. Appreciate everybody listening and referring this podcast to others. And as always, many thanks to Sean for putting this podcast together. But now she's anybody's girl.